Really, Meg? You don't know anything about this stuff. You've never even had a boyfriend more than a few weeks. I have, too. Remember when I dated the Count? One nipple. Ah, 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 ah. Two nipples. Ah, 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 ah. Three nipples. Oh, hell no. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you fuckers think that just because a guy reads comics he can't burp his shit? I'll fucking take all you want! Welcome to this week's episode of the Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. Sometimes, 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 each week, a motley band of comic readers slash amateur bard contenders attempt to pair cocktails with comic books. Maishu, manga no dokusho no zattara bando wa slash amateur newsatsu shiyoto manga to pair cocktail bar desu. All while trying to not sound like complete morons in the process. Sudete no naka ni shiyoto shite koto dewa nai yona ganryo prosesu de teno desu. ファインディーズイディアツオンフェイスブックトイッターインスタグラムやタンブラーにこれらのバカを検索できます。ノーワット。ユリッチムネイカミックブックス。ウィナウジョインブライアン。キューアダムエンタッド。我々ニコン参加
um, but very funny, just more of a storytelling kind of comedian. But he's he sort of has an interesting thing going on where basically he does a stand-up comedy routine, turns it into an off-Broadway show, and then slowly evolves it into a movie. Huh. And then he just recently directed uh, this movie called Don't Think Twice with, uh, I think it's Keenan Michael Key, mm-hmm. and then um, the blonde girl from um, uh, uh, Community, whose name I'm not remembering off the top of my head. Um, uh, Julian Jacobson. Julian Jacobson. Yeah, so like I keep wanting to go see it. And I just haven't gotten around to it because you know life happens. But uh, I love his work in general. I've I've seen some of his live stuff, and I've seen him. I've seen him twice. Once as like a stand-up uh, show, and once as one of his one-man shows. And so uh, I highly recommend his stuff. He's very funny. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that does well. But I'm just curious because I you know like oh I'll ask one of my movie critic friends who actually if they've actually seen it. But <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've seen the the poster. I just looked it yeah. up and uh, the poster looks familiar, but. I've not seen it on my list yet. So yeah, um, he did a movie. I think you can find it on Netflix called um, Sleepwalk with Me, um, mm-hmm. which uh, oh, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. So um, Sleepwalk with Me was his first one that he basically did it as a one man show. Like it was a stand-up routine, then it was a one man show, then he made it into a movie. And I saw that in theaters. And then after that, he did a thing called uh, My My Girlfriend's Boyfriend, and I saw the one man show of that. Um, but yeah, so he does interesting stuff, so we're checking out. Um, and yeah, so that tangent leads us directly into the king of... No, he's not the king of tangents. I'm really the king of tangents. But we do have Todd with us. I can be the uh, princess of tangents, if that's princess all right. Princess of tangents. <laughs> Only if you wear a tiara. The viceroy of tangents. I still have my wife's tiara. I could wear that one. Does Amy really have a tiara? Sure, why not? She got married in a tiara. Who doesn't oh. want to get married in a tiara? All I remember about your wedding was my, my job was to stand out of the shot, like stay the fuck out of the way of the shot, uh-huh. step forward, hand you the rings, get the back fuck out of the shot. Like that was that was my whole job at your wedding. You did a good job. I learned on tangents in my wedding. <laughs> what I did learn from it is I had a small wedding where I can invite 12 people, which mm-hmm. is about 10 people too many. Because <laughs> the truth of the matter is, if you if you like elope and you have two people there, people go fine. No one else was invited, or you invite everyone. But if you can invite twelve, absolutely everyone in the entire fucking world knows exactly where they stand and who does and does not make the cut of twelve. Yeah. Well, the weird thing about weddings too is like everyone wants to go to them, but they're also kind of a pain in the ass. So it's like everyone sure. feels slighted if they're not invited to it. But you're like, oftentimes when people don't invite me, I'm kind of relieved. I'm like, oh, thank God, I don't have to buy a present. I don't have to like you know take time off of work. I don't have to do whatever. But not that I yeah. don't love people who are getting married. Yeah. But well, ours, I just, ours just kind of felt like being eloping because we had the whole like, oh shit, let's do this now before the state of Utah says we can't yeah. anymore. Uh-huh. So <laughs> yeah, well, I'm to get married in California because I married a half Jew. So you know they wouldn't allow me in Utah to get married. No, so. see, and I got married on top of the Eiffel Tower in Vegas. That's right. Which, that was like you do. It was fun. Not nearly as cool as it sounds. <laughs> Vegas is designed to be amazing on street level looking up. When you're on yes. the Eiffel Tower, you see a lot of air conditioning units. Well, Vegas is also amazing at night. During the right. day, it's a little like, oh, okay. It's Vegas is essentially the city of one night stand. Like It looks great in the evening when you're a little bit drunk, but when you wake up the next morning and see that desert and all the kind of cheesy hotels, you're like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of coyote ugly going on. Oh, hell yeah. Um, God, have you ever uh, spent the night in Wendover? Oh, we yeah. have a story about Wendover, yes. <laughs> oh, God, so we went there, it was a couple years ago. Uh, Eddie and a friend of ours wanted to go see Blue Oyster Cult. Oh, wow. Yeah. Don't fear the Reaper. Yeah, it was, it was them, and I think it was, uh, oh, who did Smoke on the Water? Uh, that's a... Uh, Fuck that. Fuck that, yeah. 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 I was like, I, I don't really care about that. So we got a room at the Rainbow, and I was like, I'm just going to go gamble. So they went to their show... 
I came back, and this is the first time Eddie had ever, uh, he was finally 21, so he actually can go do things. So we were going down uh, into the actual place and, and playing slots. He was playing like a, a, a tornado one because he loves weather. And all of a sudden, he's like, he's like, Adam, Adam. I'm like, what? He's like, did I break it? What's going on? It's like flashing and blowing up. And he's like, oh, no, you, you hit a jackpot. He's like, oh, my God, how much did I win? I'm like, well, it's a penny slot. So, <laughs> so 50 bucks, which, again, he was ecstatic for. And I was playing this one, and I played it for seven hours. Because every single time, I, 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 my way I gamble when I play slots is I put five bucks in. If I double the money or more, I cash out, put the ticket in my pocket, and put another five bucks in. And I keep on going until I lose like 20, 30 bucks and I'm done. This thing wouldn't let me lose. Mm-hmm. So I ended up walking away with like $600 oh, of this penny slot. Uh, and anyway, so long story short, went, you know, went back to the room, slept for three hours and left. Now, I woke up the next morning and walked out, and I swear to God, Wendover is the most depressing, horrible oh, yeah. place I've ever <laughs> seen in the day. And I won money. So yeah. I couldn't imagine how horrible it would be if you woke up and you had like lost like $10,000 or something like that. So, Yeah, when I, I was home, I was living in North Carolina, I think, at the time, and I was home visiting, and Todd and Amy and I just decided on a whim to drive to Wendover. Like, it was like, hey, we're old enough we can go to Wendover. And, like, so we stayed in probably one of the sketchiest hotel rooms ever, I think. Was it the Red Garter? It might have been. I don't think any of us actually slept under the covers. I think we all no. slept fully clothed on top of the bed. <laughs> like, it was, yeah. And uh, we basically just played uh, slots long enough to get ourselves drinks. That was basically about it. <laughs> yes. Um, well, no, we, uh, when we were there, the, the people in the room behind, next to us, you know, that the beds were attached to, mm-hmm. like, we woke up, like, at 11 o'clock to click up, check out, and they were just going at it. I mean, it was oh, shaking right. our room. And she was, <laughs> she was loud. Oh, my God. It was like she was, was on her wedding night, and I just got pissed, and I yelled out really loud, She's faking! <laughs> and, and the best part was they stopped. <laughs> Good uh, for you. So I had a roommate um, named Marty. Who, uh, Todd, did you ever meet Marty? Yeah, you introduced me to him as the Reverend. Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah. that's another great story. Uh, but so my roommate Marty, it was very gay, very awkward, very OCD. I love him dearly, but it was really funny. But so I had a, a girlfriend of her. She really was my girlfriend. But uh, so we're, you know. We're, we're having some fun, and I just hear from the other room, Go, Brian, go! And I was like, okay, move shot, I'm done. And she's like, no, seriously. I'm like, nope, done. I'm like, no, this is, this is not happening now. I'm sorry. Like, this is this has been ruined. But yeah, no, but so the, the reverend story is great. So Todd, like, Amy went to Europe with her mother-in-law, I think, right? Or stepmom? Yes, yes stepmom. And, and so Todd came out to visit. Well, he had just done one of the online... Uh, like humanist. Yeah, he was a humanist yeah. preacher. So because my friends knew he was from Utah, I took him out to hang out with my friends, but I introduced him as the reverend. And so everyone <laughs> was like super paranoid to drink in front of him or to swear in front of him. It was awesome. Like you were all so paranoid. <laughs> that was a good night. That was a lot of fun. Yes. Okay, and so, uh, so yeah, in case you can't tell, we're not all that excited to get into this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll take the blame for this one. Adam took the lumps for uh, for uh, um, oh, what was it? Star Wars. For, yeah, for the Star Wars. Uh, Wars Dark Empire. <laughs> this one, like, I think this was one of those first books that I first bought when I got into comics, and I didn't know any better. And the story's okay, um, but the art is such a steaming pile of shit. Like. 
I've said before that like I'm enough of a story guy that I could read a comic book with uh, like stick figures as long as the story was good. This really calls that theory into question. Like it really. <laughs> uh, all right, all my research of this, the artist was yeah. Ben Temple Smith. How uh, old was he when this thing was published? Oh, um, twelve. Eighteen. The guy 18. was eighteen years old. So he got a published comic book at eighteen years old. Oh my god. That's, that's I, just, I'm, I'm throwing that out there with that, right? I, I wonder whose dick he sucked. Uh, right. It wasn't mine. Gosh. Well, and, okay. So also oh, he's when, from Australia. That explains everything, so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, well, before we get into the nitty-gritty of this, so sure. um, I'll, I'll give you the quick rundown of what's, uh, of the little preview, if you decide to go read this, which I'm going to be honest with you. I don't necessarily recommend it. Uh, <laughs> and if you do want to read it, my recommendation at the end of the of the episode will tell you how to read it for free. So yes, okay. So if you want to read it, well, actually, okay. If they want to read it for free, we should probably tell them now how to read it for free. Or do you have a okay, different? Okay, so my recommendation will do early. Uh, so I read a lot of all my comics on Comicsology for the most part, mm-hmm. and everyone's been giving them crap for the whole Comicsology Unlimited, which is basically six bucks a month, and then you can borrow. A limited number, and there's a lot of books, but a limited number of books to mm-hmm. uh, to read. Well, what's really cool is looking back over the ones we've done recently. Yeah, pretty much all of them were I could have been getting for free off here. Oh, nice. So you know, the first one is you know the first one's free, six bucks a month after that. Uh, and if you're like us and you want to kind of test the waters of a bunch of different types of comics, and then when you find one you like and you want to dive further in, you can spend the money and buy the trades. Uh, but it's a great way to have a broad, vast experience of what's out there uh, mm-hmm. for a very, very little cost. So, yes. yeah. Um, I also I like Comicsology for another weird um, thing. I don't do the unlimited, which I should really look into it. But the thing is, is that at, like when I'm at work or when you're killing time, for some reason now it's socially acceptable to stare at your phone all the time. But it's not socially acceptable for you to pull out a book and uh, read it in, in you know in public, or at least when you're supposed to be working. But everyone expects you to be looking at your phone, and no one knows what you're doing. So reading comics on your phone or having access to them on your phone is kind of awesome because like all this <laughs> sudden, look busy. <laughs> well, you look busy, or it's just like you know, like you're sitting there killing time for five minutes. I, you can pull out your phone because I, I have a six plus, so it's a fairly big screen. And if you do the follow feature on on that, it just kind of bounces from frame to frame, which is another feature I like because sometimes when you're reading comics, like if there's a big reveal on the second page, as you turn the page over, all of a sudden you know what the big reveal is before you get to it. The one nice thing about that is is that you don't see it uh, coming, so sometimes there's a little more of a surprise to it, so it's kind of fun that way. Did you uh, ever notice that uh, cell phone screens were getting smaller and smaller and smaller until they started be, being able to stream porn, and now they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger? Well, I mean, that's that's the whole, uh, what ended up happening to VHS versus beta, is the porn industry was using VHS, and that's why that became the more popular format than beta, and beta died. Uh, and then, and then, and so, like in similarity, this is a weird, useless thing. But the battle between Blu-ray and HD DVD had to do with video games, um, because uh, Sony had Blu-ray in their video game consoles, and that video games console was selling very well. So the HD DVD kind of died because there was mm-hmm. no other way of playing it. Sony also paid off. What is it? Warner Brothers or DreamWorks? They gave a huge chunk of money to drop HD DVD. I can't. I. I that happened. Brothers. I yeah. think it was Warner Brothers. Yeah, I think you're, I think that's right too. And also, uh, uh, what was it? It was um, oh yeah, Best Buy. They decided to exclusively carry Blu-rays as well. So that was you oh, know, gotcha. over a thousand stores that are only carrying Blu-rays, where most people are getting their movies from. That was another thing that killed HD DVD as well. Yeah. I okay. So speaking of Best Buy, we, this is like the most random. We're not going to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, no, we're just, we're, we're going to get there. Yeah. Look at that. 
Um, no, but my question is this. So are there, there's a Best Buy by my house that is notoriously poorly stocked. Well, I, I do know some people who work for Best Buy, so I'm sure okay. I can ask them for you. Okay, so you know some people who work for Best Buy. My question for you is, how much control do the individual stores have over what they stock? Like, is it... Because, like, the thing is, like, the store near me is always poorly stocked. Like, my local... Um, Target has a better Blu-ray DVD section than Best Buy, which I think is very strange. And I don't know how much, what, like, if there's a rationale for that or, or what goes on there. Well, I think the, I think the biggest thing to think about is when you you've got a place that's selling, you know, big ticket items like a TV or an appliance or a laptop. Mm-hmm. There's there's more profit in those than there is in a twenty dollar movie. Mm-hmm. So if you've got limited floor space and you're trying to maximize. You know, dollar per square footage. You're gonna stock whatever is gonna make you the most money. Uh, mm-hmm. And honestly, with movies and stuff, like I, I buy some movies. Eddie, Eddie's more about buying the, the movies than I am. But so much stuff now is on Netflix, or you can get yeah. digitally on iTunes. That people just aren't buying stuff like that like they used to. Like when I worked at Blockbuster, you know, people come in and they, you know, you you put a new movie out, or you put one like a previously viewed movie, and they would sell like hotcakes. We couldn't keep them in stock. Mm-hmm. But uh, everything's going digital so much that it only makes sense for. Actually, I'm surprised like Target's not doing it because you'd think that they, again, they have stuff that makes more money than movies. So you'd think they kind of shrink the area down. Um, and honestly, the most places nowadays do t- two day shipping. So if you want to get something you really, really want, you can't find, you can just order it off Best Buy, Target, Amazon, whoever, yeah. and you'll get it in two days. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. That was just interesting because I, I went looking at uh, Best Buy recently to, uh, the one by my house at least. To find stuff and I was like why is this one so like because there's also another one up in Fullerton um, from where I live uh, that is like always really really overly stocked on Blu-rays and DVDs so it's very interesting like that they I don't know they just vary I guess by yeah. area. and I'm sure it just depends on the on the supply chain and, and who yeah. buys what because if you've got a demographic that does buy a lot of movies they're gonna probably send them more whereas the place that maybe sells more you know Fitbits, they'll, they'll yeah. get the thing there. I'm, I'm sure there's, I'm sure they're a multi-billion-dollar corporation. They've got to have some kind of algorithm in place that'll yeah. handle that. There's a method well, to their madness in some way or another. Although I work for a multi-corporation that keeps making the dumbest fucking decisions known to man, um, it is shocking how stupid the decisions are. Oh, I, I think all of our works do that. <laughs> well, this, works really, this works really, really well. Thank you so much. Uh, we're gonna take that away from you. What? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I always, make the stupid decisions at my work, so... Yeah, so Todd's talk. to blame for his. That's right. <laughs> anyway, so... That's 30 Days of Night. Anyway, yes. work talk. So 30 Days of Night. So we're gonna, you know, if you want to read it for free, Comixology is a good way of going about doing it. Um, and the story's not terrible. The art is shit. Well, just, I'm just gonna give you that up front. Anyway, but the quick, the, the easy answer, or the easy explanation before we go into um, our little break is... It's basically a story of a small town. It's mo- northernmost town in Alaska, is that right? Uh, in the U.S., yeah. In the U.S. Yeah. So it's a, it's very northern town where basically during the winter there are um, 30 days of night the sun doesn't rise. So, of course, what better location for a bunch of vampires to show up than this small town, which seems like a good logical point. So basically it's, it's, this town is stuck, in, you know, surrounded by vampires. There's a few remaining survivors, and it's how, you know, they get through the winter and all that nonsense. Um, so... Um, 
so that's that um anyway so that will uh that that's kind of the preview um if you are interested in reading it great if you want to just hear us rant about it plow through our little break but we're going to give you the opportunity now to uh to press pause and we will wait for you and you can uh come back and uh, join us in a second so uh we will see you in a moment if you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now press pause go ahead we'll wait Shots. 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 That was just for Q. What do you think of this prank? Mmm. twist. Good. You see, even Frankie likes it. What prank are you giving, Dicky? Of course, stupid. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pull blueberries with, with nobody cares throughout this whole club scene. That, you know what, we can do that. Nobody cares. That works. You ready, guys? Ready to go again? Nobody cares! Nobody cares! Okay. It's a rocker. And we are back. Uh, that random side note. Um, anyway, and we're texting Q on the side, uh, by the way. So he is still alive, folks, and I've been texting him during this break. So um, there you go. He says hello. Um, he sends his love, um, and uh, he says to watch more ab- absolutely fabulous. Anyway, so because nobody cares. Nobody <laughs> cares. So Todd, do you want to give us a little history of the creators of this book before we dive into the summaries of the book? And since Q is not here, we can use this strange accent, and he will not know what's going on. I don't know what's going on, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> So Steve Steve Niles wrote this book, but really what he wanted to do was write a script for a movie and nobody cared. So he wrote this book instead, teamed up with Ben Templeton through IDW. They made the first episode, the first issue of it for free. No one Mm -hmm. really bought it, but then the movie studios go, oh, look, someone made a comic book. Maybe we are interested. And when they got interested, they went ahead and finished it out. Yeah, it was originally only three issues, and then they... They did a couple other runs on it. Right. And so they kept going. It's like, oh, this made a movie. We got some issues. Let's keep going with what works, is what their thought process was. Um, Steve Niles, born in 1965. So, Mm -hmm. Brian. Yes, sir. Yes, I heard you. Want my phone? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, one of those was Adam, one of those was Q. Oh, okay. That works. So, Niles, born in 1965, and then you had... Ben Temple Smith, born in 1984. Oh, jeez. He was 18 when... I, I just, <laughs> whenever I want to feel like I need to have more humility in my life, I just see what other people do at an earlier age and more than I've ever done. 
Dude, when I graduated from college, one of the guest speakers was like a 15-year-old kid. I'm like, oh, I'm really proud that I graduated from college. This fucker's 15 and is speaking at our fucking graduation. Like, way to make me feel inadequate, you sons of bitches. No kidding. So, so he did this. Um, Niles likes to do a lot of horror stuff. He keeps trying. Teamed up with Rob Zombie for a little while. but Yeah, he did. I have that book. Um... Sorry, continue. I'll see if I can find no, that book real teamed fast. up with Rob Zombie. He's trying to make a few movies. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's not great either, to be honest with you. Well, most of his work seems to be there. It's He's working hard. What I'll give mm-hmm. Niles is he's definitely putting the, uh, pounding the pavement and just trying to turn things as best he can. So I'll give it to him for his um, stick-to-itiveness. Yeah, I mean he hustles, but like, I, think, yeah. I mean I think he's one of the, the he's one of the guys who's writing the most horror like traditional horror comic books out there. Yeah, he is. Um, but yeah, like I don't know that. And here's the thing: is I like Rob Zombie's movies. Um, Eddie and I argued over not argued, but we disagree over the the House of Thousand Corpses. I like it. Oh. Um, Eddie apparently <laughs> not. I, apparently Adam probably doesn't either. I like it too. Um, but let's get your both wrong so <laughs> I'll take that I'm often wrong um, <laughs> so um, yeah so anyway so that's you know it's fine like but he, he does write a lot of stuff but the uh, the nail which is not the book we're discussing but the right. other one with Rob Zombie was a little disappointed Rob Zombie's comics in general actually have been a little disappointed because I also read the uh, Haunted World of El Superbisto and that kind of didn't do it for me either I you know well, I, the thing with this, I remember before this uh, this comic came out, I was working in a buddy of mine, Lewis, mm-hmm. was, he was all excited, like, dude, I gotta tell you about the coolest idea for a comic strip, and he's like, he explained the whole premise, and the idea is really, really cool, it's, it's mm-hmm. a great idea, and it's great to, you know, to have a vampire paradise, I mean, this would be the mm-hmm. perfect place for them to go, um, or not, as the book kind of explains later on, when the one mm-hmm. gets bitch slapped by the head vampire, right. um, mm-hmm. it just, it feels like just a wasted opportunity like yeah. this. It's very, I mean, the movie, I remember the movie being decent. I don't, I haven't watched it, like, I think since it came out, but. Yeah, I, I was hoping it would be on Netflix, and it's, it's not on Netflix, unfortunately, but, like, you can get it on iTunes if you wanted to, but. Yeah, but at least, at least it was, it was entertaining, and it's, you know, people always say, oh, the book's better than the movie. Well, in, in this case, the movie's definitely better than the book. Yeah, yeah so there are a few circumstances where that's happened, but we can get into that later if we want to. And going but, yeah. with the movie, David Slade did the movie, and it was pretty good, but I will say he's got three big movies to his name. Um, Eclipse of the Twilight Saga was his most recent. Oh, really? But he also <laughs> did Heart Candy. Oh, that's a great Heart fucking movie. And I, that is a great Heart Candy movie. is great. So anyone, everyone, like, complains about Ellen Page. I'm like, did you see Heart Candy? Well, no. Do people Go complain on. about Ellen Page? Sometimes. I really like Ellen Page. Yeah, sometimes I complain. So, really? Why? I'm just okay. curious. She's just kind of there. Okay. Well... I, I, I like Ellen Page. Right. I mean, there's moments I really like her, but in other things, I thought her in, um, no, that Chris Nolan flick. Oh, I, didn't, uh, I know what you're talking about. I never saw that movie. Oh, you didn't see that one? Yeah. Well, I didn't see that one. one. Um, he's talking about uh, Inception. Leo, yeah, Inception. There we go. I kept wanting to say Interstellar. Inception. Oh, I love Inception. It was, I really love the movie. I think Ellen Page is the weak link in the whole bunch. That movie's actually about uh, making movies. Sure. But yeah, so yeah, there. And then let's go on to this 18-year-old who got something done before I did. So, <laughs> ben Temple Smith. So he, this is one of his first big ones, of course, going through. But he also did Fell with Warren Ellis, and his style with Fell was very much the same. 
as with this, uh-huh. but a little bit more refined, and it kind of yeah. fits the mood more. It's kind of a Silent Hill-ish effect of what is going with that. So it's a lot more browns and warmer tones, and he has gotten better as he's aged. So way to go for getting better, Ben. I'll give you that. Yeah, okay, so so continuing on with the art. Uh-huh. Um, the issue I have is like so the first couple pages you look at it and it kind of has this like surrealist artistic quality and I'm kind of fine with that for the most part. The problem comes in when he does the faces because the faces almost look like they don't jive with the rest of what he does. You know what I mean? Like faces that's are hard, Brian. It's like feet and hands. They, they are, but they look so awkward compared to the other art style. Like they just don't blend. Like if you want to do them bad, that's fine. Or if you have issues with it, that's fine. My issue is, is that it doesn't go with the overall thing. Like they just they they're distractingly different, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like it almost in some circumstances it almost looks like a he collaged a picture into it of a face into whatever he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? And that's kind of where I have a little bit of beef with. Well, I have a lot of beef with the art, but um, yeah. Anyway. Before and I've almost I've I've tried I've almost picked up and read this book about ten times until yeah. I finally did it this time. <laughs> and honestly, it was because of the art. Yeah, I just sure. I watched it like I can't do it. Yeah. Well, and and the concept is a decent concept. The story is semi predictable, but it, it it flows like a movie script. I I haven't seen the movie in a while, but I don't imagine that the movie and this comic book are too terribly different plot wise. <laughs> um, Warning. You're entering spoiler territory. Don't say I didn't warn you. Getting into the plot-wise, we'll blow through the summary really quickly yep. here. Uh, basically, it's uh, the vampires flock to Barrow, Alaska, uh, where the sun sets for about 30 days, allowing them to feed without burden of sleep and to avoid lethal sunlight. Uh, when an elder vampire, Vincent, learns of this plan, he travels to Barrow uh, to end the feeding and preserve the secrecy of the vampires. Because it's cold, the vampire senses are weakened, and a few of the town's residents are able to hide. One such resident is Sheriff Ibn... Ibn? Ibn? Evan Olman, um, who saves the town by injecting vampire blood into his veins, using his enhanced strength to fight Vincent, he saves the lives of a few remaining townspeople, including his wife Stella. Suffering the same weakness as all vampires, Evan allows himself to die as he turns to ash when the sun rises. And there's like a little romantic beginning to it where the two of them watch the sunset. Cares. Yeah, I know. Uh, I was trying to come up with a drinking game for this book because I, I felt like it needed it um, and I actually oh, I've got it every single time a vampire speaks and you can't read what the fuck they're saying because they made the font all weird take a yeah. shot <laughs> yeah the other one I was gonna say take a shot is every time there's something strange written it like not as a piece of dialogue but sometimes there'll be those added little things in the art of like like and you're not quite sure like it's not like you know a kapow or whatever but like there's weird little like swack side notes it's not even that. It's not even that. It's like I'm trying to find one real fast, but like there's one that says something Ooh, like sure. it says something like on a boot, and I'm like I don't know what the fuck that even means. Like what the hell is he even saying? All I know is that Temple Smith really really liked the 1966 Batman series. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is what a comic's supposed to look like. Okay, I know we're just we're just bouncing all over the place right. here, but does <laughs> anyone else just? So the end of this book is the guy. You know, he, he sucks some of the blood out of a vampire, puts yeah. it into himself to turn him, uh-huh. but somehow he can control it, yeah. and he doesn't go blood crazy, even though the person who got scratched by a vampire went blood crazy. Yeah. And then he magically gets the powers to defeat the elder vampire after he's been a vampire for literally 15 seconds. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand, you know, how... Uh, do I miss something, or is just this shitty writing? I can't tell. 
It's the same logic as Ray with her force powers. Uh, actually, there are some theories behind that, which I won't go into here. Um, <laughs> tr- trust me, when you know Brian Young, you know all the theories. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Love you, Brian, because I know you listen. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, the positive thing I'll say about this book is that I do like that it, since it is a three episode arc, mm-hmm. that it really does have a very specific first, second, and third act. Yeah. Like it's, it's, you could read one and put it down when you pick up the next one. It logically follows. You, even if you just picked it up and didn't even know what was going on, you'd still could kind of see, you know, follow the plot. Uh, so I do like the, the, the layout for it, but I, ugh. I, yeah. I definitely pulled a cue on this one and saying this is just, I have no desire to ever read this book again um, or to read the rest of the series. So Yeah, love- that was the thing too because mm-hmm. there are some other art like uh, authors who've worked on it, like uh, Kelly Sudeconic wrote an issue somewhere later on. Like, there's some mm-hmm. stuff that I'm like, I'm kind of interested to see what other writers do with this storyline and things like that, but like, yeah, you're right. It, it's, I don't know, it, it definitely feels like, oh, this was a film script that we just adapted to um, a book, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but sure. like it yeah. wasn't a mind-boggling. Like it's kind of a fun horror movie, but like it's it's not a mind-boggling plot. But yeah, the art is just so distracting. I also yeah. found the terrible thing that doesn't make any sense to me. On page forty-five, there is a boot coming down to crush someone's head, and it says "The Dead Crazy." I don't fucking know why. Mm. It just says "The Dead Crazy." I'm like, okay. Um, For me, if there was a few mm-hmm. moments like that. Yeah, sorry, Tom. No, you're good. The uh, for me, the frame that I like most, it brought me into uh, like classic Arnold Schwarzenegger-ness, is there's a frame where you've got... Get to the top off! Yes. <laughs> well, you've got this vampire jumping after this main character, and he proceeds to punch his fist through the vampire's mouth and out the back of his skull to kill yeah. the vampire. And I'm like, I bet Arnold looked at that, and he went, I could do this book. Mm-hmm. But that one totally screamed the Arnold Schwarzenegger moment with the Caspulci. Caspulch is the sound thing oh, yeah. written right above it, which kind of takes you out of the moment. But yeah, that and there's one time where it's like rip, and like I don't know. There's yeah, the rip uh, got yeah. me because it wasn't even you know like look at that. It says oh, it's saying rip. I see yeah. now. I see <laughs> what you were trying. Yeah, so I'm like <laughs> oh, I see what you were trying to go for, and yeah. that's a lot of what the art of this book was. Oh, I see what you were trying to go for. For me, the art feels like it was a... It was like, here, I'm going to sketch out what I think the book will eventually look like, but it's not finished yet. I'll go back and finish it later. And then you didn't. Yeah, it was like, it was like quick <laughs> thumbnails. of like, oh, we'll do something like this. We'll do something like this. And then, and then oh, shit, you got to publish it in? Okay, yeah, here. Uh, yeah, this will work, right? Yeah, that's, that's fine. There we um, go. Yeah. Yeah, what can you do for me in a week? I can do well, that. You know what? I mean, he was 18 years old. Maybe it was like, oh, shit, I forgot to do my homework. Um, Here, here's three issues of a comic book. Enjoy. Uh, yeah, there you go. You're too busy getting high and masturbating. Hey, you know what? If you're publishing comics and you're in Australia, good for you, right? If you're publishing you comics, do. good for you. That's true. That's true. Way to go, dude. Oh, yeah, no, I don't, uh, I don't begrudge him one bit of his, his successor. But no, that, no, yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's just... But yeah, I, I'm glad he's gotten better. And I hope I one gets better with age at this point. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, I, I look back at some of the uh, the stuff I used to write back when I first kind of started doing what I do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, don't ever do that, by the way, so... Uh, <laughs> Also, I'm saying don't go back and listen to the first episode of this podcast because you'll be like, oh, dear God, what are we doing? So, yeah, but no, it's you, you definitely learn your craft as you go. And um, writing, drawing, doing a podcast, like any other muscle, the more you exercise it, the better you get. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I'm just going to throw this in really fast because I don't give a shit. Um, so my drink for the night, or for this book, was called a Midnight Snack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you do is you get uh, two ounces of light rum, four ounces of Merlot, uh, and then two ounces of like a San, Belleg- San Pellegrino blood orange soda. Uh, you put it in a shaker with ice. You stir it. You don't want to shake it because you'll get the bubbles out of it. Uh-huh. Uh, and then strain it into a wine glass, and it kind of looks like a nice little uh, effervescent uh, blood drink thing. So, um, and I was actually going to bring up my cocktail as well because really the only thing to make this book better is being really fucking drunk when you read it, and it might make more sense that way. Sure. Um, but I found a, a fun drink that it's called the Vampire because I looked up a vampire cocktail, but it, it kind of reminds me more of the ending of this book. And uh, what they've done is they basically made a um, a cocktail of um, it's vodka amaretto. Um, orange juice and club soda and basically they make sort of like a, a very basic cocktail but then they have a um, and all, all the ingredients or all the rec- uh, rec- bleh, sorry the more specific instructions for this will be on our website but what they ended up doing is they ended up doing a raspberry puree into like a syringe and then you like so you have this cocktail and then you take the syringe full of raspberry uh, puree and you squeeze it into the drink and so it looks like kind of like blood seeping into the cocktail and that's what makes it you know interesting and vampire and actually looks kind of cool so it's similar to when our hero at the end of this book injects himself with vampire blood actually that's what I'll call this cocktail I'll call this cocktail uh, vampire injection is what we'll call it just for there we go that's cool um so yeah so it's it's very cool um yeah the drink itself looks kind of lame but yeah check our uh our uh, blog um and it's it's already posted now if you're listening to this um and yeah so it, it has all the instructions on how to do it and you know the puree and all that stuff but it it ends up looking really cool so and uh, halloween's coming up so it might be a fun little cocktail for uh, halloween time so i'll drink that anyway. that sounds good yeah uh so todd do you have a cocktail for us i since do we're just dying it's called the before? vampire it's similar to yours but less cool Oh, <laughs> I bought that bottle of Chambord last week for the last episode we did. So I've got some more yeah. of that Chambord raspberry liqueur, and then it's equal parts of the Chambord uh, vodka and cranberry juice. And you just that shake, good. yeah, you shake the shit out of that in a nice shaker. And you just put it in an old-fashioned glass, so it's nice and red and boozy. Do you know how many of our cocktails have shake the shit out of it as part of the ingredients? <laughs> <laughs> well, you shake the shit out of it, and then you pour it in the drink. That's awesome. <laughs> we, we, now we just need to like we just need to make a drink called the shake, shake the shit out of it. Out of it. Yeah, that's right. If there's an earthquake-themed comic book, we'll have to pick that. I'm so glad my parents don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> Mine too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we are. There, but it's called the Vampire. But yeah, cranberry juice, vodka, raspberry liqueur, cold, and. You know, they're up in Barrow, Alaska, so it's red and cold. It works. It sounds yeah. good. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Has anybody here been to Alaska besides myself? No. I have not, no. Okay. I've been there during the summer, so, like, I, I got to go. Actually, I will say Alaska is part of the way that I won over my wife uh, because <laughs> uh, I well, basically what ended up happening is, so, uh, because let's be honest, this is going to be more interesting than talking about this actual fucking book. Um, I think we're kind of done with the book. Yeah, we're kind of <laughs> Uh, yeah, sorry, folks. Like, this will be one of the books where, like, hey, we're doing this. You may not want to read it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. So my grandmother wanted the whole family to go on this uh, trip to Alaska because my great grandfather had been there during the um, gold rush, and so she booked like. And I, I was recently single when I booked this ticket. And I knew as soon as I was like, as soon as I booked this, I'm like, you know what's going to happen? Because it's just my luck. I'm going to meet some girl. She's going to be awesome, and then we have to go away for like two weeks to go on this, go on this cruise. Excuse me. 
And of course, that's what fucking happened. But so what I ended up doing is when I was on top of one of the glaciers, I filled up a water bottle with water off of the glacier and brought it back to her so she could drink water directly off of the glacier. Yeah, that was my little romantic moment, kids. Um, so yes, although my wife is way out of my league, I do things like that every once in a while. That's that's how I you know keep her around. Um, in case anybody was ever wondering, because I have no idea why she sticks with me, because she's way out of my league. Um, anyway. I remember telling you that at your wedding. Not that she's way out of my Yes, you did. And, you know, you weren't wrong, and you're still not. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, so I'll give my review of this. I am sorry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I bought this a long time ago. I read it. I haven't read it since. And I thought, oh. Oh, you know what? We're we're doing something Halloweeny, and frankly, we also made the de- deliberate decision. We want to do a bunch of Halloween type stuff for October. By the way, welcome to October. Halloween's coming up. Aren't you excited about that? Wow! Uh, hey. Yeah, October. Um, but Q needed the week off because he had to handle other things, and he doesn't like scary books. So I'm like, hey, we'll read a scary book. I remember this book. I've read it. We can discuss it. It doesn't hold up. Like the the story's okay, but you know, watching the movie's probably better. Uh, way of actually getting the story if you're interested in that the art is distractingly bad and makes me call into question you know everything i've ever said about well i could read a terrible book if you know a a good story if had a good story and bad art i could totally read it this really pushes those limits um it's not so bad that i I couldn't read it and get through it but it's uh it can be painful so yeah i'm I, even though I recommended this book, I don't think I'll read it again unless we revisit the worst books we've done on the show at some point in time because we're gluttons for punishment and give them a second look, which if we do that and then I've pointed you back to this in the future, look at this, like that was some, you know, some fortune telling shit right there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I'll, I'll just, my, my review is, I am so sorry I recommended this. Right. Uh, Todd, do you have a review? You know, it was... As it comes down to it is, hey, I want to make a movie, but no one's interested, so let's do a comic book to get interested in the movie. And they mm-hmm. succeeded. So yeah. there's a success there, but and really, the story is perfunctionary. Mm-hmm. Good premise. The artwork, you know, the atmosphere is cool for the, the first two pages. And that's really about where it loses. And then when you've got yeah. the sunlight rising at the end of the book, and it actually has some earth tones in it it's kind of a seven drawback to me but mm-hmm. yeah you should apologize brian that, I'm, I'm very sorry <laughs> i really so, am but that is about where we're at there so it was good ideas interesting thoughts the execution needed idw had just started up and they were like we need to fill our slate and this was one of the things that filled the slot it was kind of like caveman the tv show well, I also got to imagine you have an artist like or a writer like Steve Niles. Uh-huh. I mean, you're going to sit there and go, well, I mean, I, I think at this time, Todd, you may know off the top of your head. Um, I mean, I think he had a little bit of a track record before this as well. Um, you know, so I think it was one of those situations where uh-huh. it's like, yeah, hey, we got a guy who wants to publish a book. You know, and maybe they had an up and coming writer or artist. I mean, if you want to call them that. Like, that's the thing that baffles me more than this is like the artwork. It's, it's one of those things where it's not profound. Like, mm-hmm. I understand, like, a young artist getting that opportunity if their work is amazing, but this is not, this is surprisingly lackluster. Um, and that's what is almost shocking to me. It's, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like he shit on the wall and was confident enough to say, this is art. And they said, oh, he must be right. This must be art. Uh, and therefore called it art. But, like, it, I don't 
don't know. It just that, that's the thing that baffles me. Like, if, if an artist has already established himself as having good technique and doing all this stuff, and then eventually goes and does something kind of strange and avant-garde like this, that kind of makes a little bit more sense to me because they've earned that right to do something different. This book, for me, the art this is, is just... Yeah, it's shitty, and it's a young artist, so it's like, how... Do, I, don't un, I don't understand what someone saw in this art to say this kid should be published mm-hmm. that that's what baffles me a little bit not to dissuade like i'm not upset that you know hey an 18 year old kid accomplished something good for him right but i just i don't see what someone else saw in it to say this is worthy of publication adam do you have uh, your thoughts after i've run steamrolled over um, and apologize the hell out of this play thing nobody cares <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's like i said we, we <laughs> Yeah, no. It's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of—I I haven't seen the the third uh, <clears throat> Purge movie yet, but I kind of feel the same way about this that I did about the first two. Mm-hmm. At least is that it's a cool idea. I like the concept. It's just very—it's <clears throat> just not executed well. Um, so yeah, like the, the, I will read one more in the series because they did do a uh, X Files meets Thirty Days of Night. Huh. Oh really? Um, and actually, it's free on Comicsology Unlimited, so oh, okay. they should sponsor us. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I, again, I like the I like the idea enough to where I want to. I'm interested to see what they could do with it, and I will check this one out because it will be free. Um, but I, I wouldn't. I would never go and actually invest money in the series ever again. So. Yeah. Like Adam, I also read this off of Comicsology Unlimited, which was a great reason to have Comicsology Unlimited right here. Yeah, and I'm so excited because as soon as we're done with this, I get it deleted off my iPad. That's right. <laughs> Gone and mine will sit in my book, uh, my pile of random books that I read one of and, and didn't read anymore in the series, um, which is a special shelf of hell in my, on my bookshelves. Brian, but just let it go. I, I, I might have let to. Let it go. Uh, <laughs> let it go. <laughs> um, anyway, okay, does anyone else have anything else to say about this book or should we move on with our lives? Yeah, let's. What are we doing next week? Uh, so next week we are going to do Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, which is a recommendation from Adam. Uh-huh. Um, uh, so Adam, I mean, I, I have my own personal little story about this book. I uh, I dated a, one of the craziest girls I dated. Uh, Ooh. Todd Todd knows who this was because I just needed to have my own space and she just needed to have her own space. Todd, if you know who I'm talking uh-huh. about. Uh huh. Um, yeah. So she introduced me to this book. I. Do not hold this book responsible for her insanity. She is fucking crazy. However, this book is fun. Um, and so, Adam, this was your recommendation. Would you like to uh, give us a little preview? To be completely honest, I recommend it because I've never read it. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's the same guy who did Invader Zim, isn't it? Yeah, So, the, and this is one of the things that's most baffling about this book because you'll read this book, and this came before Invader Zim, so you'll read this book and they'll be like, wait a minute. So someone somewhere read this book and said, hey, we should give this guy a children's TV show. <laughs> and we should put it on Nickelodeon. That's the most baffling thing about this book. This book, actually, I really like. It's fun. Basically what it is, it's um, this, this, this like, sort of, I don't, you kind of don't get a full age, I don't think. I, it's been a little while since I read it, so I apologize. We'll, I'll, we'll find out that I'm wrong on a lot of these things next week. Um, but it is uh, this kid who is essentially a homicidal maniac, and he kind of sneaks in and talks to his neighbor, whose name is Squee. He's this little kid, and poor Squee is just tormented and horrified. Um, it's it's more funny than it is scary. Like it, it's about a homicidal maniac, so that's why we're doing it during the Halloween season. Um, and that, and, but it's not so scary that you know Q will probably still be able to read it and join us with it. Um, but it's more funny. But yeah, it's if you like the sense of humor of Invader Zim, uh, that kind of dark world domination kind of off-center, uh, you know, 
it has its sort of a Tim Burton quality to it as well, to a certain extent. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's fun. It's uh, Johan Vasquez uh, wrote it, who is uh, is actually from Southern California. He, uh, from what I understand, he lives up in um, uh, Fullerton, um, and uh, you know, which is in Orange County. For those of you who don't know, um, and uh, I guess I have a few friends who've run into him. Like he's still around and kind of hangs out, and huh. you know, he, he's he's a nearby dude. So he's a local for where I'm at right now. So. Uh, but yeah, so like, for sure, like I think it's a fun book. But also keep in mind, I haven't read this book in about fifteen years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I read this book before I got into comics. This was one of those things where uh, that crazy girlfriend of mine had it. Let me borrow it. I read it. I thought this was amazing. Um, and ironically, I happened to be wandering through uh, my comic shop the other day and saw this on the shelf and be like, you know what? I don't own this yet. I should pick it up. And then Adam had been talking about doing this. I'm like, we should just do that book. So. Um, yeah, and I will say, I will blindly go out on a limb and say, better than 30 days of night. I, I can almost guarantee you that that will happen. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, oh, but we should probably do some recommendations. Um, Adam, I know you already did yours. Do you have anything else you would like to recommend? Um, not the moment. If I think of something, I will share it. Okay. Todd, do you have any recommendations? No, not today. No? Okay. <laughs> Uh, well, so, okay, so I, um, just as an experiment, because, I mean, we do a book on comic books, yeah. and I kind of wanted to look for some stuff a little bit different. I signed up for uh, the Comic Bento Box, which... Um, oh, yeah, that's right, you were talking about that. Yeah, so, um, so basically what this service is, uh, you know, there's a lot of box collections out there right now, you know. Um, I don't do, like, a lot of the geek boxes, mainly because I have enough shit. Um, however, I kind of, I'm always looking for something slightly different, um... My taste in comics are normally a little bit more on the independent front, um, which, you know, always seems to bother Q a little bit because I know he's a little bit more of the main superhero kind of thing. But the way the service works is they send you up to uh, at least four um, trade paperbacks uh, or, you know, or collections every month, and they normally theme them together. So um, I just got my first shipment, um, which was, uh, what was the theme they actually called it? It was basically all animals is what the theme was. So they sent me four books. Um... One of them was called, it's called uh, Shock, but it's actually spelled X-O-C, and it has an explanation inside the book. Um, Basically, it is the story of a shark, and it's a shark, um, it's, it's, basically, it's a book you can actually learn something from. So, like, if you have kids, this is actually kind of a a cool book that way. Um, It's about a shark uh, who travels from uh, California to Hawaii uh, and gives birth on the way out there, and then ends up, uh, you know, turning around and coming back, and it's about predators and prey, and life in the ocean and they, they talk about the, uh, the the Pacific garbage patch and like I mean it has some interesting educational stuff to it um, not necessarily the best dialogue but you know with the shark it's the shark <laughs> but like I mean the intention is cool though like as a learning thing like I learned some stuff about sharks I was like oh that's kind of interesting I didn't know that you know what I mean like I didn't know that they they kind of use the earth's gravitational pull as uh, navigation um, and things like that you know what I mean I didn't know that once they kind of gave birth they just abandoned their their uh their pups you know what i mean like baby shark comes out you're on your fucking own dude um which is kind of interesting so um the other and so that's the book i've actually read i haven't gotten around to all of them because i just got back from comic-con and and i'm actually doing stuff at work right now kids so i can't do all the shit at work like i normally do um so uh the other one is called homecoming um and it is what was this one about i'm trying to remember i'm looking at the thing Oh, it's a, it's about an alien horde kind of attacking, so they're considering aliens part of the, the animal species. There is Jurassic Strike Force 5, which if you think that sounds ridiculous, just remember there is a such th- of a thing called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
Uh, basically, it's, you know, dinosaurs with guns. So, like, what's not to like? And then there's a book called Sam and Fuzzy Fix Your Problem, uh, Problems, which is uh, it's a friendship between um, a bear-like creature and a dude named Sam. And they, you know, they deal with things, I guess. Um, so I haven't read all those books. Hopefully some of those turn out good. But I have read Shock. Um, and it was pretty good. So um, I will let you know. The next uh, bento box we're supposed to get then the month is uh, as seen on TV. So I guess it's all TV-themed uh, comic books or, or comic books of uh, stuff that's been on television. So we'll see how that all goes. Um, but so far, it's been interesting. So uh, I will keep you up to date as to how that all goes. Um, anybody have any last thoughts, questions, concerns, things better left unsaid? You know, I think I will. Um, I'm going to recommend The Filth by Grant Morrison. Okay. So it's... Uh, single trade everything's all together it will it's filthy but it's cool it's got some weird ideas (laughs) he was really really high on drugs when he wrote this is my only explanation can you give me a little more than it's just filthy like what's it about it's it's kind of a bit of an anthology of a collection of different stories um there's one sequence of event there's this boat the size of a city going along that gets invaded you're um there's a alien Attack of super sperm that you're trying to defeat for, that comes from outer okay. space <laughs> as, as you do, as you do yeah. and more and more and you just watch it's the filth and you read this and like this is a filthy book and you're like it absolutely is and it's great in its stoned out wretchedness so the filth okay. yeah read the okay. filth so you, you know, can read that or you can watch uh, Pink Flamingos there you go yes I'm not sure which one would disturb me more. But. I don't know if I've ever actually seen Pink, Fl- Pink Flamingos. Well, you have to. It's amazing. It's a piece of you know, Maybe you put it this way. It's a piece of shit, but yeah. it's a wonderfully entertaining piece of shit. I mean, that's that's kind of the case with John Waters' early work in general, really. Yeah, yeah. when he was when he was filming on a budget of, you know, Nothing. $2. Right. <laughs> yeah. Did you, uh, Adam, did you see the new Kevin Smith movie, Out of Curiosity? I didn't. They, uh, what happened was they did it at um, Sundance. It was a one-night only, and of course uh-huh. it was the night before I had to work like at 6 the next day. Of course. Uh, and if, and if I don't get at least six hours of sleep, I'm a grumpy bitch. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, uh, and they did a really limited uh, screening up here. I don't even know if I, I was in, on that list for that one, but mm-hmm. I've heard it sucks horribly, but I've not, I, I can't weigh in yet. So Like... <sighs> I don't know. I, I've I've been a long-term Kevin Smith fan, and so oh, like, so I, you're like yeah. You know, so I wish his stuff to be good, and I wish him all the best. I like while we're kind of talking about Halloween stuff and talking about horror mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, the movie Tusk that he made, I I was okay with that movie until it took itself too seriously. Um, like the 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 realistic uh, like sea lion costume at the end of it was a little like if it had been more cartoony i think that movie would have been fine uh that, that's at least my personal opinion I, I felt like it took itself a hair too seriously and got a little too weird and not believable like it almost like they tried to do a believable human uh sea lion costume hybrid thing uh, for lack of a better term mm-hmm. um and i felt like that's where they they lost it like mm. if they stayed cartoony stayed kind of weird with it i think it would have been a little bit more fun um but that's just my personal opinion. So I, I want yoga hosers to be good, but and I mean, but I, it was also interesting. Um, uh, he because he does a the Hollywood Babylon podcast, which I, I listen to fairly regularly. And for one of them, they actually just sat there and read all the reviews off of, uh, uh, well, not all of them, probably a, a fair amount of the, the big name reviews off of uh, Rotten Tomatoes. 
um, and read the bad reviews and stuff like that, which was it was interesting. But as they pointed out, um, in uh, Mallrats also got terrible reviews when it first came out. I don't know if this compares to Mallrats. Um, I don't know if Mallrats really holds up either, to be honest with you. Uh, Mallrats has some good one-liners, but if yeah. you go back and look at it, there's it's. It's definitely you can see that he was trying to grow as a filmmaker and he was still learning things. Yeah, um, which is fun. You, no, no one is born a great director. I mean, even Steven Spielberg had misses when he was younger. Yeah, uh, but that's one of those terrible things that you have to learn your craft in front of a large group of people. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So I don't know. It was. Uh, so I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm curious about it. Um, I, but you know, I'm like I have a film critic here. I can ask you questions like that. So. <laughs> um, oh, I do have a recommendation actually. So oh. get them while they're available. Uh, they finally released the Iron Giant on Blu-ray, and there's a really cool special edition out there. They did fifteen thousand of them. It's a box set. It comes with a little letter from Brad Bird, who directed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got an art book, kind of behind the scenes of the making of book, a little action figure, uh, and then what's really cool are these little like um, they're like I guess you call them mini posters, maybe like eighteen by twenty-four mm-hmm. uh, of by Mondo of uh, different scenes from the movie, and like they're they're gorgeous enough to where I, I'm going to frame them because yeah. they're they need to be on a wall. But yeah, they, they don't make very many of them. I know they're selling fast, so if you can grab one, um, it's kind of expensive. It's about eighty bucks, but yeah. it's if you're a fan of the Iron Giant, and that's actually one of my favorite movies of all time, um, animated or uh, live action. Uh, it's it's fantastic, so I I can highly recommend that. It just came in the mail yesterday, so cool. Um, well, so that'll about do it. Um, once again, I apologize for thirty days of night. Um, <laughs> I know how I felt with Dark Forces. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, and Q, whatever it was. Yeah, Q is probably really happy he didn't have to do this for various, various reasons. Anyway, hopefully we'll have him back next week. Um, and uh, yeah, so Johnny, join us for Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. I guarantee you it's better than 30 Days a Night. And uh, yeah, thank you much. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information. As well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop. Tip your bartender well. And stay hydrated.